Just quickly before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a free ebook I wrote a little while back called Engineering Leadership 101 Practical Insights for Becoming a Leader at Any Stage. It shows you how to grow as a leader no matter where you are in your career, the important differences between management and leadership, and it dispels some of the common myths engineers have about leadership. And like I said, it's free. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and download your copy at engineeringandleadership.com slash leadership 101. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash leadership, the number 101. This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet, episode 22. Pat Sweet here, and welcome to episode 22 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineers thrive. Today, I interview Dr. Katrina Burrus, founder and CEO of MBK Excellent Executive Coaching, on the challenges technical experts face when moving into management, the importance of cultural fit, and the kinds of skills you need to succeed as a manager. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sweet, and welcome back to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. I'm really glad to have you here today. Uh, If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm extra glad to have you along. This is a show all about, uh, obviously, engineering and leadership and management, productivity, all the things that you need in order to succeed as a leader, as an engineer, or with engineering teams. Now, this is the first show I've had uh, in a little while, so it's really good to be back behind the mic. This is a lot of fun. I've had a bit of a break over the last couple of weeks because, frankly, there's, there's been an awful lot on the go. I had the distinct pleasure of speaking at two events, uh, which has been an awful lot of fun. One was for the American Society of Agricultural and Biological Engineers, where I gave a keynote on goals and goal setting, which is very cool stuff. This is an organization dedicated to... Uh, the advancement of of engineering applicable to agriculture, food, biological systems. A critical area, if you think about it, is the engineering associated with food and keeping our world fed. Very, very important stuff. So a special thanks goes out to uh, Gail Baker, who's a professional engineer in the States, who invited me out to that. So thank you very, very much. That was a lot of fun. And the other event was for my dear friend, Andrea Jansen, who you've heard me talk about on the show before, for her International Women's Week event called Rising to the Challenge, where my wife and I spoke about how she and I work together and our approach to our individual careers, how we balance it, being uh, spouses and parents and professionals. And it it was really cool to dig into. It was was dug into a different side of my life, which I, I don't often speak about a whole lot here on this show. So that was a lot of fun. Now, that talk will become a podcast episode on the Ambition Theory podcast. Ambition Theory is the company that Andrea runs. Um, And that'll come out in the near future, so I'll definitely be sure to share that once it's out. And on that note, I know that by the time this episode airs, uh, International Women's Week will be done and gone. But happy International Women's Week. Uh, I realize it's belated, but still, I think important to recognize. Very, very important. If you can't tell already, I really love speaking. I love engaging with audiences live. It's a lot of fun. And over the years, I've done a number of speaking engagements, uh, seminars, workshops, that kind of thing on 
uh, management, leadership, productivity, goal setting, all sorts of stuff. So if you need a speaker or a facilitator, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Just drop me a line at engineeringandleadership.com slash contact, and I'll be sure to get back to you really quick. Okay, with that, let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Katrina Buhus. Dr. Katrina Bohus is the founder and CEO of MKB Excellent Executive Coaching, a company dedicated to helping leaders excel and become powerful visionaries. Dr. Bohus specializes in onboarding new leaders, helping leaders become C-level executives, and of particular interest today, helping to turn brilliant jerks into excellent leaders. More on that in a moment. Dr. Bohus has helped clients all over the world, including Nestle, CERN, Sun Microsystems, the World Trade Organization, and the United Nations, among others. She earned her MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management and PhD in Human and Organizational Development from Fielding Graduate University. And she's also Switzerland's first International Coach Federation Master Certified Coach. Here's my conversation with Katrina. Dr. Bohus, thank you so very much for joining me today on the Engineering Leadership Podcast. It's great to have you. I'm delighted to be on your podcast. Thank you, Pat. Ah, you're most welcome. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is a, a lot of fun. And, and uh, partly because I had, I had a misunderstanding up front about, uh, about a book you wrote uh, that, that I, I'd like to dig into. You've got, you've got a book um, called Managing Brilliant Jerks. That's and, right. Which, which I think is an excellent title. At first, and, and my listeners are going to have to forgive me for this, I thought the brilliant jerks were going to be technical staff who thought they knew it all and didn't need management. Uh, but I, I was mistaken. I realize now that, I, now that I understand a little bit more about your work and the book, that the brilliant jerk is the manager or, or, or could be the, the manager. I, I'd like to know a, a little bit more about what you mean by brilliant jerks and, and why it is that you got into this line of work in, in the first place. Well, I first got into this work because I had a very difficult stepfather. Uh, and uh, I realized that in some ways he was trying to protect me, but the way he expressed himself was so abrasive and so hurtful that I didn't listen to what he said. I just was hurt and sort of rejected everything he said. And then I realized with time, in, in his own way, he was trying to protect me, but so it gave me a feeling that there's a lot of other people like this, that in their intent is not necessarily negative, but they just don't have any interpersonal skills. So if they did, they would be quite brilliant because I put that brilliant jerk. So there might be incredible engineers, fabulous in their expertise, but just don't know how uh, to have people be engaged and f have fellowship. And sometimes, and many times, they are promoted because they're very good at what they do, or they're very good salesmen, or they're the top cardiologist that the hospital has been trying so hard to bring in. But basically, you know, they have no bedside manners. So what do you do with these people, you know? And this can go on forever. And I think there is a solution. You can help them. 
and it helps all the people around them. Well, that, that's that's great. And it, really interesting that you've got this 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 personal connection, really, that that drove you down this um, this this line of work. And, and, and this is something that uh, we we discussed this a little bit before hitting record. Um, I, I've seen my own in my own practice as as an engineer uh, and an engineering manager. Um, you mentioned a couple things, a couple of the, the the key signs, I think, of a of a, a brilliant jerk. You, you mentioned kind of a certain lack of self awareness, a bit of a lack of of emotional intelligence. What other what other hallmarks might there be of a brilliant jerk? How do you know when you look at a manager like this? This this fits the bill for you. So okay, so I just want to have a caveat in that. They're not narcissists that I'm talking. If it's really mm-hmm. a, a, a pathology and their intent is to hurt, uh, that's might be a pathology. They get, they get uh, you know, a high by hurting people or by hurting animals and torturing them. That's I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that have very high IQ, but little emotional EQ. And don't know how to engage people. So how do you find or determine the difference between a brilliant jerk and a demanding boss with high standards? So the brilliant jerk would, uh, you come in and you haven't been able to do the task at hand. And so what they do is just attack you. They, they go and they make it sometimes very personal. They feel threatened themselves that they haven't been able to get the outcome they wanted, and they attack. It's like uh, an animal that you're there between the food and uh, and you're bearing their, how to say, you're impeding them to get the food. Well, they'll attack you. If you're way behind them and the food's right there, ah, they will leave you alone. So uh, like a predator, no? So that's that's the brilliant jerk is just hurtful without really realizing it the demanding boss with high standards he has same situation the person comes to them they they haven't succeeded and they step back they don't take it personally per se and so they look and determine has the person tried his best effort but wasn't able to do it then leadership agility, you adapt the project, you make it so that, or give them mentoring or have someone help them out so that they can succeed basically and get that outcome. Or let's say they can determine that it's a, it's a motivational issue. So what will they do? They, they will step back and say, okay, so this demands a different leadership approach. I will have a discussion of why they didn't do it, what's impeding them, is it personal issues or it's passive aggressive, and we'll, you know, have a heart-to-heart discussion. So that ability is that helps transform a billion jerk to an inspiring league. At least it's a first step. Well, they don't have that They have so much, the brilliant jerk has so much focus on results at the detriment often of interpersonal relationship. See, I think, I think this is a really interesting point you're making is that it's, it's not that, it's not that inspirational leaders, strong managers uh, don't care about results. They do. It's just that they care about things beyond those results and understand that they're, they're dealing with 
real people with real feelings and real lives and and that there's there's more than just work going on. You make a very important point, you know, because they adapt their reaction. And of course the the inspiring leader wants results, but they say okay, we can't get results right away. What do we need to get it? And thinks longer term, not the immediate triggered reaction. Uh, that uh, destroys the person in front of them or their self-confidence. So basically, it's an approach. They both want results, but one is more adept to getting it and thinking long-term that they need to empower that person to get the results. That's interesting. So I, I imagine that there are a lot of people listening right now who may be in, in leadership roles or, or aspiring to, to get into leadership and management roles who might be wondering, well, shucks, am, am I one of these people? Am I, you know, uh, am I lacking EQ? What, what kind of things might you, might you recommend to people who want to look themselves in the mirror and think, you know, uh, think hard and critically about themselves and their skills and, and ask themselves, am, am I a brilliant jerk? How, how might, how might you, uh, you guide someone in, in that situation? Often, it's, uh, they're not aware. It's their blind spot. So it's difficult to be aware. So people might give them feedback. You know, uh, look, uh, we really appreciate the results you have. But um, unfortunately, uh, your, your attitude is detrimental to the team or there's complaints for by HR, or often the boss will come and talk to them if it's really a blind spot. Uh, when I do the coaching and with my clients, when I can bring them irrefutable data that what they do is perceived as abrasive, uh, they are still high achievers. So they'll do everything they can to improve that side of them. So... Uh, so that's why I think there's not every brilliant jerk uh, just wants to hurt people, but you know a lot of them they want the results, and when they can see they can get better results by being much more strategic in their leadership agility, then uh, they're convinced. But it takes being strategic and seeing not only the short term but the long term, and also self-control, uh, managing their triggers, because often they react by the gut, because it creates anxiety that the other person has not succeeded, and that might have a repercussion on them and their the perception of their leadership, uh, which you know, they're usually also very high performers. And so uh, that creates that anxiety. And sometimes right. the education, you know, uh, if parents love their kids just for what they do, they're only as good as the last thing they did. You know, of course, this is reductive, but it gives you an indication that it starts way back when. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there, there's got to be an element of, of nurture there not and not just nature. Yeah. Um, if, if someone wanted to uh, wanted to work on proactively uh, developing their EQ, recognizing their 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 triggers, as as you suggested, I think that's a good way to good way to frame it. What kinds of things could could a leader uh, do to to kind of flex those muscles muscles and develop those skills? Uh, 
So I have a seven-step process to really help them develop their emotional intelligence and their interpersonal relationships. But let's say I'll give you a few tips for the listeners. One is to really know who they have in front of them uh, and making taking a step back. So sometimes I ask them, and in fact, it's on my website. Uh, I draw, have them draw a little man or a little woman. And I say, what is that person thinking? Uh, what is their pastime Okay. Uh, and then I say uh, their heart. What is that person passionate about? And their hands. What are they doing? And their gut. What do they fear? And uh, their legs. Where do they want to go? And so if they can do that for every direct report, it keeps them thinking on a deeper level of the person. They see them much more in a three-dimensional perspective. And that helps also to strategize how to interact with them for what they need or to empower them or all that. So to come to that point, though, first, it's knowledge of the other, listening skills, also knowledge of themselves. As Daniel Goldman said, if you don't have any self-control or self-knowledge, you have only 4% uh, of possibility to be able to be interpersonally savvy. So it starts by learning about how the person decides, what are their key values, what are their objectives, and each time what it potentially can trigger them into an emotional reaction where they, they lose self-control. Uh, I think what's really interesting about what you're saying here is uh, you know, so certainly there, there's there's work involved. It doesn't sound like it has to be rocket science, right? It doesn't have to be um, uh, particularly complex, but uh, it does require work up front. It sounds like it, it requires you to put some thought in before a given interaction, which which could go south if it, if it were contentious. And what that means is that managers need need time. Right, they need time to think through um, where where their their staff or team members are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and and it makes me wonder what what role what role do organizations have in terms of providing their managers with the time and space to actively manage like this? Are are managers being set up for sex, success by their organizations if if this is what it takes to to really do a good job and avoid being that that jerk? So, you know, this process helps you also do the evaluations. Even that man that I said to describe or that woman and had knowing all about this, about the person that you're managing, you have to, many companies have them do evaluations end of year where, where the bonus is determined and everything. Well, if they've done this, this work about the other person, they'll be much better at adapting their leadership according to the person in front of them and not reacting to every situation in the same way. So they become much more sophisticated. So making evaluations of their direct reports becomes easier. Uh, end of year discussions, uh, better attribution of projects according to what really would motivate. It's a, it's a, it has multiple consequences positive. No, I, th I think that's great. And, and as someone who's in the middle of that 
the 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 end phase of that annual process right now at work. It, it this this all makes perfect sense. This is great. Um, uh, as we discussed off the the top of the show and a little bit before we we started recording, um, in in the world of engineering, um, lots of engineers get promoted into management roles as as a function of their technical expertise. They've got a great deal of knowledge, technical knowledge within their domains. Um, they get promoted uh, into management roles and, and then ultimately struggle in those new roles because, as we've discussed, they, they don't necessarily have the full suite of skills that they need. If this is a chronic problem that that people get promoted who, who maybe don't have the full skill set that they require – what might you recommend to, uh, to to companies, to organizations, with respect to finding people who are who are going to be good candidates for management? Because it has to it has to extend beyond technical skill. How would you how would you guide organizations in that way? I like your question. Uh, first of all, I think you can develop it: emotional intelligence and. Uh, how to better motivate people. And I, even if they're, motiv- they're promoted and don't have all the emotional skills or interpersonal skills, they can develop it. So to have that available in organizations that if they're promoted, they have an onboarding system that uh, has them thinking more strategically and also develop some interpersonal skills, get feedback from their direct report, even the evaluation at the end of the year, have the people that they manage give them feedback as well. Uh, And then sometimes, which can be uncomfortable, have somebody come in and see how they interact with their teams. So to see how is the best way. I mean, you can even see by observing in teams how the person or the leader increases their credibility, increases the inspiration of the team, and what they do that starts decreasing it. So that kind of feedback is very valuable. I mean, they're bright. They're good experts, so they're very bright. So if you give them good feedback uh, and uh, how they're perceived, it might not be who they are, but how they're perceived, they can... And then make it so specific that they can make an action plan of it. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example. Uh, One woman was um, considered abrasive by the people she managed. And I kept saying, okay, she she doesn't communicate well. She doesn't communicate well. I said, what does that mean? Well, well, she's rough. I said, okay, well, how does that pan out on a behavioral level? Well, you know, she walks three steps ahead of me. And every time I ask her a question, she rolls her eyes and huffs. Okay. So when you give that kind of feedback, they know what to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they can start walking together. Uh, If they ask a question, their employee asks them a question that seems very stupid because they're very bright, most of them. You know, they have more experience. Well, uh, how can you behave in a way that's encouraging rather than, you know, showing them how stupid they are? You know, at their level, they're newbies. Uh, so it's a work like that that can really help and uh, no, change behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing when you, when, when you peel back the layers how there really are 
specific behaviors that what, what, once you get down to that level, you can do something about that. Yes. You can change where yeah. you walk. Absolutely. <laughs> you can avoid rolling your eyes. That's something you can do. Yeah. See, but it needs to be that degree of detail. I'll give you another detail, uh, but this is on the reverse. You know, Westerners leaders are perceived as alpha males. They interrupt uh, in a group. They're in a team. They're direct, a little bit in your face, especially Western Europeans. Well, here I was coaching an Asian person who uh, uh, who was excellent scientist, just brilliant. And they wanted to promote him, but they thought he wasn't really a good leader. So when, and because he didn't position himself, but after I interviewed people, I could see exactly that, in fact, in his culture, interrupting like that is very rude. So what he would do when he felt they were rude he would step back and sort of disappear. So when he realized with the feedback, look, when you're in a team with these Western Europeans, they perceived as leaders, you have to interrupt, you have to be much more in their face in some ways. Huh? So once he understood that, he got the promotion, you know. That's for Asians. Now, I also work with South Americans. Now, South Americans, they usually, I'm generalizing horribly, please permit me to do this, but a lot of them are very charming. Interpersonal relationships is super important. And so they'll take time to charm, to discuss this and that. So this South American comes into an American company, you all know the name, but I will not out of discretion, that it's Midwest, you know, out of, you know, they're like all cowboys, and they have this sophisticated Latin American person in the top executive team, and they say, he's a little bit fishy-wishy, you know? <laughs> so, again, with that kind of feedback, you know, he has to realize he's, he's a minority in a culture that is not his own, and that's okay. He can be whoever he wants. But if he wants to be uh, develop trust within this homogeneous group, he has to adapt a bit because it's very limiting if he wants to go up the corporate ladder. Yeah, th this is this is an interesting topic because um, you know th this is something that certainly uh, my, in, in in my own career I've had the privilege of working. Um, all, all over the world at times, and one of the things that I've been fortunate enough to to uh, uh, be exposed to is is cross cultural training and understanding that mm -hmm. leadership structures and organizational structures are are heavily influenced by by the culture, right? And and culture, as we know, is very different from from place to place, and that, that's part of what makes the world such a beautiful place. Um, but understanding that organizations really do work differently here than they do. Uh, elsewhere is is fascinating and and frankly i i wish i wish we were less comfortable uh interrupting one another than we are in the western world that's something we could we could learn a thing or two from others on that yeah. um this is this is really fascinating stuff I, I wanted to i wanted to jump back briefly um we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence and and uh you mentioned daniel goldman who in in my mind is one of the you know the the, the preeminent uh, authorities on emotional intelligence. If you pick up a Harvard Business Review top ten on on EQ, what he's he's got articles in there for sure. Do you have any any uh, recommendations 
on the the kinds of uh, uh, maybe maybe reading material or training material that uh, that you might suggest if people wanted to try to learn about emotional intelligence and improve their skills there? Well, I have uh, on my website, uh, uh, as I said, an exercise, and I, I will be coming in with uh, the next month with exercise because I like to read different places and really. Uh, bring it down to something very, very practical for the business world that can be implemented pretty quickly. And But do you know what? I'll tell you, you know, we mentioned um, Asian and South American, and we have to adapt to what we consider a brilliant jerk. One culture, it'll be fine. In another, it'll be abrasive. So I just wanted to underline that. So the Russians are pretty much also very straightforward. Uh, so if I can generalize, but you put them in with a Japanese culture, there's going to be a lot of adaptation, you know? Right, so. right. So so I think if, if I'm to pull kind of a key message out of this is that um, what what makes you a jerk, <laughs> if, if, if in fact you are a jerk, is about perception. It's about um, the way others are viewing your behavior, which is, it sounds to me, um, tricky because uh, in different places, different cultures, different teams even within a common culture could perceive your behavior differently. Uh, and tricky also because it's it's the way other people are viewing you and not how you're viewing yourself, making it inherently difficult to to, to catch these kinds of issues. Am I, am I on the right track here? Yes. And you make a, also an interesting point is that emotional intelligence is necessary to be help. Uh, the interpersonal, but there's also, it's not enough. You also need cultural understanding. So that's, uh, especially if you want to do on a global level, there's two things uh, is to, and that's why doing research work of how the person is perceived, you can also integrate what's the culture of the company and if you are adapting to that culture or not. So, it's not only emotional intelligence, it's also, there's a cultural element. For I'll give, I'll give you another example, there, but it seems insignificant, okay? So one of my clients, they took their frequent flyers, you know, because they traveled a lot, and boom, they converted it into first class, okay? So fine, what's wrong with that? He's not cheating, he's not taking anybody's money, Okay. But it happened to be a super Protestant, very conservative company. And not even the CEO goes first class. Okay? So he did that. Everyone in the company found out, even though it was, you know, about 5,000 people, uh, that he thought he was so great that he went first class. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we didn't think two seconds. So to understand, you know, their emotional touch to pick things up, but also what is the culture in which they go and what are the values of that culture? Because, you know, 40% of leaders fail after 18 months. And guess what is the biggest deterrent? The, the biggest derailment. I'm assuming it's mismatch with culture. Yes, you're right. You're right. And see these brilliant engineers, it's not their competence. 
that's lacking. It's really this sort of interpersonal. And more and more research shows that we make decisions on an emotion, not on rationality. So if you can connect on the emotional level to the other person, uh, you're already influencing their decision, influencing their motivation, and they will find ways. If they really like someone, they'll find ways to justify whatever for them. Uh, to do the extra work or whatever, Doctor Bahus, th- this has been this has been uh, fascinating, uh, fascinating conversation, and I, I really, I'm really glad that we've gotten this. Uh, the benefit of of you having worked, uh, uh, you know, the four corners of the globe, and and seeing different companies, different cultures, and working with with many many different people. This is that this is excellent. That more more than I bargained for. So I really <laughs> thank do you, Chad. So really sweet. do appreciate this. Um, if uh, if my listeners wanted to learn more about you, more about uh, your work, uh, what would be the best way for them to learn more and, and maybe connect with you? So my website is called Excellent executive coaching, excellent executive coaching.com. My podcast is called excellent executive coaching as well. And, uh, you can reach me at doc DR Katrina with a K like the hurricane at excellent executive coaching.com. And there's free downloads and, and the, the exercise I mentioned about the man and the best way to get to know your direct reports or your employees, if they call it that, uh, and to get really get to know them at a different granular level. Oh, that's excellent. I'll, I'll, I'll be putting links to all of that in the show notes. Um, again, Katrina, thank you so very much for joining thank me you, today. Pat. This has been a, an, an absolute pleasure. You've been so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to oblige. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you once again, Katrina. Uh, obviously, an awful lot of fun, an awful lot of value, lots to learn from uh, a woman like Katrina with her with uh, her insight, her experience. One of the things that really stood out to me in my chat with Katrina was the importance of fit between the leader and the organization. And she made a really interesting point here that as a leader, you may be successful in one team or one organization. But that doesn't necessarily translate to other teams and other organizations. As a leader, you need to learn your current organization's culture and understand how to thrive in it. The same things that worked last time may not necessarily work this time. Another point that I wanted to bring up is that Katrina was very comfortable using broad generalizations about different cultures to illustrate her ideas. She's worked with global organizations. She's worked all over the world. She, She does have this unique insight into how cultures vary from one to the next. But I think it's important to bear a couple of things in mind here. One thing that Katrina emphasized is that she, she was doing exactly that. She was generalizing, right? Of course, it's impossible to describe any one culture with any degree of accuracy in a half-hour episode. It's a, it's a bit like trying to paint the Mona Lisa with a box of eight Crayola crayons. Results will be rough at best. And the next point to, to make here is that Katrina wasn't making any kind of judgment call with respect to whether a particular culture was, was better or worse. She was just making the point that cultures are distinct from one another. And that being the case, leaders need to understand and work with the culture they are immersed in. If you came of age, either personally or professionally, in a culture different from the one you're working in now, this may be an extra challenge for you in terms of establishing yourself as a transformative leader in that new culture. Again, 
neither good nor bad, but something to bear in mind. So thank you again, Katrina. I'll be sure to add links to Katrina's website and her book, Managing Brilliant Jerks, to the show notes, which you can find at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 22. Up next, the Engineering and Leadership Mailbag. This, of course, is the part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, and messages and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to share my favorite notes here on the podcast. The first thing I'd like to mention right now is that I'd like to give a shout out to Arnold Morales, a systems engineer at Boeing and host of the Non-Traditional College Success podcast. He posted a really cool list on LinkedIn not long ago of every single engineering writer, podcaster, and creator he knew of on LinkedIn. And he got he got an awful lot of people on that list. It's amazing how uh, how broad and deep this community is, community of people who are creating content for other engineers in an effort to, uh, to make the profession a better one and to make the world a better place through better execution of engineering. It's, it's very, very cool to see. And I wanted to thank Arnold specifically for including my name on the list. I, I know I've connected with a number of other people on that list as a result of you kind of bringing all that together. And based on the number of, of likes and shares and comments, it looks like you really made uh, a big difference by sharing that with the world. So thank you, Arnold. That, that's really cool. I'll be sure to share uh, a link to that in my own LinkedIn profile. So if anyone would like to see that, you can check that out. I'll also be sure to add a, uh, a link to Arnold's podcast. Again, that's the non-traditional college success podcast in the show notes. And as I mentioned, a number of folks from that list uh, connected with me on LinkedIn, which is really cool. Uh, a few in particular, Stephanie Slocum, who's the founder and CEO of Engineers Rising, and Bartholomew Perez, a systems engineer, realtor, and author, which is a really, a really cool combo. Um, it reminds me of, uh, th- there's a book I read called The Art of Work, which, which uh, I think it was Jeff Goins. And he, he presents this idea of a portfolio career where, where you don't have one job. You've got kind of a collection of things you do and are good at. And when I read, uh, when I read Bartholomew's LinkedIn profile, that's definitely what it reminded me of. So uh, Bartholomew, if you're listening, I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you. Same with you, Stephanie. So thank you both for reaching out. Quick reminder that if you'd like to be on this show, hear your own voice on a podcast, you can do that by leaving a voicemail at engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. There's a link there and it's, it's all fairly self-explanatory. Um, also, I'd love to know what you thought of today's show. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas, please do let me know by either leaving a comment on the show notes or reaching out through engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. That, my friends, is all the time we have for today's show. Thank you once again, Katrina, for joining me on the show today. I'll be back again soon with our next episode, uh, continuing with this theme of transitioning into engineering management. If you enjoyed the show, it would be awesome if you could leave me a review. That helps me uh, That helps me make the show even better and helps others find the show as well. And if you liked it, go ahead and subscribe. That's the best way to keep pace with the show and be notified whenever, uh, whenever there are new episodes. For more information, links, and resources, just go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 22. While you're there, you can explore the rest of the website where there's more free content for engineering leaders. 
Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. If you'd like to learn more, go to engineeringandleadership.com where you'll find more free articles, podcasts, and downloads to help engineers thrive. That's engineeringandleadership.com.